Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our Game Changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. I am Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. We're live in three, two, one. Mm. All right. Wow. Here we are. Yeah. It's an exciting time of year. We're right here in West Point, Mississippi, home of Mossy Oak Brand Camo, the Gamekeeper Studio, Hercules sitting here looking out Looking at the big deer. Deer season is upon us. Max leaving this afternoon going to Nebraska. Yeah, where are you going, Max? Going to Nebraska with uh, Heartland Pride Outfitters. Ah, Pretty excited. I bet you are. Big time. Big time. Got high expectations. Yeah. Absolutely. Getting out of the house, got a sick baby. Oh, so, ooh. Looking forward to it. Oh, that's a brave man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so how long are you going to be gone, Mac? Uh, I think I'll be back on the 16th. Cool. Well, I, I mean, the reports I've heard is it was kind of hot, I think, and dry on, on Austin a lot of them, but I think the weather's changing, so. Uh, I think you're going to be hitting it pretty good time. I think so, too. It's going to drop 30 degrees, I think, tonight. Mm-hmm. So it'll be in the teens and then high 40s. You're so. going to rattle? I'm going to try to. You yeah. let me borrow your horn, so I'm going to try. Lucky golden horns. Get oh, ready. Lanny's sharing his horns. That's right. It's actually a new pair. I broke the other ones. Are they synthetic? Yeah. I'm a synthetic guy, 100%. But they're not the, the little Ricky Ticky Tabby ones, you know. We got some, we need some horns. Ricky Ticky Tabby ones. Yeah, I don't like to that. sound like a little buck if I'm rattling. You know. you know, that's a that's a book. Ricky Ticky Yeah. Tabby. Never heard of that. Or a short story, maybe. Yeah. It's so a mongoose, about a yeah. mongoose and a snake. Yeah. Sorry. So y'all are talking about the weather changing. Have y'all, uh, there ought to be ducks on the way right now because uh, uh, Canada is being blanketed by snow and the Dakotas are about to be blanketed by snow. I bet Chris Paradise is tearing them up. That's that's one of my favorite things, you know, after work, you out on the porch or something and you can hear the geese. It's that time of year when you can hear the geese in the air. Where's wh- where's where's Rob? What kind of geese did I hear the other day? I forgot. Yeah, a bunch of speckleberries flew over my house uh, two three weeks ago. Headed north. So in, in headed in, north. Yeah, that's what crazy. So Rob was telling me that sometimes they'll get so high up they go too far south, and then they have to come back up north. <laughs> they have somebody like you that's leading the. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, no he doubt. overshot the show. Overshot his landing a little bit. But. Well. I don't know about all that, but uh, Dudley, what's uh, what's going on in your world? Not a whole lot. I just got a text that Dudley sliced little Dud sliced his arm open on the playground. Oh, going to need stitches. So you need, you need to, go? to go. I mean, what can I do? I can't. Did I y'all can't hunt? Do stitches. Did, did you make youth season? Uh, we only went once, and we talked about it last week. But uh, he missed one with the crossbow. Oh yeah, in, in yeah, Holmes yeah. County. Yeah. Well, so 
He'll get back on it. Yeah, hopefully this weekend we'll, we'll get him stitched up and get back out there. I didn't even tell my kids <laughs> it was youth season and got in trouble for it. <laughs> it was too hot. So we yeah, had too much hot. to do around the house. We had all the cold for but So I was taking taking them to school money. They're like, Dad, Dad, when's youth season open? I was like, yeah. last weekend. <laughs> I don't know. But Richie, I would think you might want to hit the sad horn yeah. on that for, for a yeah. Yeah. It was raining that, and hot. We're going to get after it. Shame. So. That is shame. Oh, <laughs> what is that? Yeah, I don't well, even know what the fact that like. you don't know what that is yeah. is pretty pretty interesting. But I don't so, either. So today we've got <laughs> some guys sitting here that, bro, that, that some of Mississippi's finest. Yes, from the NW NDWF and P. I always get that mixed up. But yeah, our favorite agent. Yeah, but we've got Marshall <laughs> McGraw. We've got. We, we've got boy, that seems like that goes a long time. We got Ricky Barry. And then we had this guy before. Jake, back in the oh, house. Jake, yeah. That's right. I swear, he looks like a lineman from Mississippi State. Yeah. I, I think that was our, like, most listened to podcast. That it he was really on. was. It yeah. was huge. The one where y'all busted up busted a big turkey. Yeah, yeah, they yes, killed hundreds of turkeys. That's crazy. Yes, That's crazy. That, it really was. We, we, we enjoyed that one a lot. Now, good to see you again. Glad, yeah. you. Glad to be back. So, uh, Ricky, never met you before, but uh, we're excited to have you yeah, here. It's good to be here. And, and Marshall, Marshall, he's a local. Yeah, he's like a bad penny. Every time you turn around, there's Marshall. Like, I, have, I have Marshall on speed dial. He hears me all times. Yeah, one Christmas Eve, Marshall helped me out with a with a poacher problem that I nice. had to leave during the what's the service on Christmas Eve? Which midnight mass, candlelight, or whatever. Well, it was the little Christmas Eve. Sorry, Everybody lights the candle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. had That's to leave during the middle of that, and Marshall met me, and we. And it was it was eye opening experience. Nice. Yeah, glad I'd to help. I'd have made him wait. Yeah. <laughs> so that that guy took an opportunity, knew and knowing that I would be at Christmas church. Oh, man, Christmas that's kind of sad. Try to poach. Oh, you were at church. I was at church. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you got a photo or something? Oh uh, well. And uh, Larry Moore saw the guy going in. Oh. And, we, we, and he said, "What?" And I said, "I know who to call." <laughs> yeah. Sure did, and that worked out really good. And you called him during church. Yes. <laughs> oh, I remember this. I yeah. Left, I left her. I turned my wife minute, yeah. and handed her my candle and said, I, I got to go. go. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. Okay. Yeah, That's a great sure story. Did. Marshall was, that was, it was just a, very impressive to see how he handled that. So I appreciate it. So, well, it's interesting, too. The, I mean, the stuff they have to deal with is wardens, too. You know, it's, it's really amazing. Yeah. I mean, because you've told me stories from. From dump truck drivers to yeah. <laughs> anything else. Yeah, a lot goes on in the game of fish world. Yeah, it sure does. Well, we're gonna we're gonna talk safety today, and guys, uh, people that are listening, uh, this is an important one. Yes. Even, even if you're an older guy, it's easy sometimes to just take stuff for granted or forget, uh, get in a rut or get in a habit of doing something. So I think safety is a good thing to talk about. They've got some stories about what's happened to other people and. And then if you've got a younger person, Dudley, like little Dudley, I would think you'd want them to listen to this. Sure. Yeah, no question about it. So, uh, I mean, because we're out there in the field, you know, everybody's either got a bow or a gun or a weapon of some choice, some kind, you know. And most of us are probably getting in elevated position stands. You know, there's a ton of different stuff that you got to be aware of when you're out there in the field from boating to gun safety to tree stand safety to how you cross the fence. And on top of that, you know, being courteous. You know, in the field, you talk about this all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, and how to honor. You know, uh, you know, and honor and be safe when you're out there taking care of this kind of stuff. Yeah. And Mac, we're not talking about offering the buddy next to you on a dove shoot a beer. No, we're, no. we're not talking about we're that. Talking, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, but 
Look, before we get started, it boy, I got some looks from the. Guy right over there. I'm, just, I'm just a joke, guys. Y'all can lighten up a little bit. So, so um, Mac, who is this week? Who are we? Who, this show is brought to you by who? Yeah, I mean, talking about safety. I mean, one thing to keep you safe is a Springfield Armory firearm for sure. And uh, I was looking on their website the other day, and I, I saw that 1911 uh, Ronnie. And Ronnie. It, and it mm-hmm. looks like I mean, it's a two ton. Ronin, yeah, bad. yeah, it's a two tone finish, five inch barrel, uh, 45, nine, and 10 millimeter. I mean, it just looks super cool. The forged barrel, I mean, it's a really, really sharp looking gun. The 1911 has got to be, you know, it's, it's iconic. iconic. It yeah. is, Jinx. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I've looking, got an XDS, I love it. What, if you guys had to pick, would it, would you take nine millimeter, 10 millimeter, or 45 ACP? Y'all, y'all shoot pistols a lot. Yeah, we, we currently carry 40 caliber, hmm. uh, but we're fixing to swap over to the 9 millimeter. Hmm. Yeah. I prefer a 40. Yeah. But uh, How about that? We, we don't have a, you know, whatever they give us, what we have to <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Here it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. We can't, we got it. So, Mac, guys, y'all can go. What's that website? It's springfield-armory.com. Go. Oh, I'll tell you what they got some. What what you got, Lance? We forgot blood on the biologic. Well, we hadn't. No, we oh, man, not done yet. My bad. I'm jumping around. That's the old ADD again. Look out. Mm. Yeah. But, so, guys, A-D-H-D. go check out Springfield I Armory. Springfield-armory.com. And how do you spell the dash there? Uh, D-A-S-H. <laughs> but you actually just use the symbol. Thank you, well, Bradley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need a Mr. Know-it-all right there. <laughs> All right, guys. So, uh, look, there's a lot of deer hitting the ground right now. The rut is, uh, yes, I think, is happening up north, or it's about to get happening up north. They yeah. tell me, historically, November 13th in the Midwest is the day. Hmm. Like peak estrus day? Yeah, and I can remember that. That's my birthday. Oh, look at that. that. So, but I just, uh, ironically, they uh, drop in there. So, you're getting up there, Mac. I think his right timing's time. good. No, I'm excited. If you don't kill a giant, I'm going to be disappointed. I feel pretty good because, I mean, we've got a Styre firearm, Nosler bullets, and Leopold optics. What so, caliber are you shooting? Uh, 7 millimeter 08. Oh, what a great caliber. Don't you it, think that's a great it, caliber? It really is it a good is. caliber. You think it's better than the 243? I do not. Oh. I'm a, I'm oh, a 243 oh, yeah. fan. I hear you. But it's a good one, for sure. <laughs> it is. All right, so are, are y'all seeing anybody in any blood on the biologic in your world? I know John Tatum's daughter, I think, killed her she first sure buck. You know, so I wanted to give him a shout-out. And sir, uh, John's been here a long time, so he's real active with his kids. So I know they were super proud about that. He, he unlike me, took his child hunting in the rain <laughs> in the heat. <laughs> yeah. Old Cranky got a deer. Oh, Cranky got one, too. Yeah. All right. Yeah, with a crossbow. Yeah, he's got it filmed and everything. Nice. It's a good so, story. I had to watch it. It is. There's some big deer dropping so, uh, up in the Midwest. Yeah, and this so. weekend is going to be good here, I believe, with that front coming in Saturday. So mm-hmm. I think uh, hopefully everybody gets your kids out there. And uh, Deer Meat for Dinner is actually coming in. I think he's going to be bow hunting. He's going to be doing some stuff at the store. So hopefully we'll have a little more blood on the biologic next week. There you go. I got to say, I'm, I'm a little jealous about the people that have a rut in mid-November, whereas ours is during the holidays. I mean, I – Oh, I, I love, love it during the holidays. I love doing family stuff. but When you're uh, off, you know? Well, there's always Christmas parties on the weekends and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, you're a social life. I mean, yeah. I'm, 
to draw a line somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Rudd. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Grandma. I can't. I can't go to your house. Too, yeah, yeah, for family Christmas. Well, that's what nights are for. That's exactly right. I mean, speaking of biologic, did y'all see that endurance radish? Oh my goodness! On the table out front. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Dudley's been growing some in the nursery. That thing is unbelievable. It's ten inches. Yeah. At month month growth. And that's only four weeks of growth. Yeah. Y'all sure about that? Uh, I planted them on September seventh, and you know they probably came up four or five days later. So, so it's, I mean, it's about a month. Wow. Well, let's think about that. No, that's, that's more than a month. That's more than a month. <laughs> I was doing I mean, it's the t- it's the, Yeah. <laughs> right, so, I think your parents <clears throat> might could go to Heritage. They might could get a little money back. Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> that right, so. But, no, that, that, that is very it, impressive. Yeah, the endurance radish, It's uh, we, we talked about it in the last podcast, but uh, the root portion is a lot denser, mm-hmm. so it can last longer into the winter. And the tops put on a lot more foliage. Yeah, um, it is a forage radish, and all the, the the radishes that are being planted, I believe, you know, are are, are primarily not forage radishes. They're right being, and being selected for seed production. We right. absolutely love these daikon radishes, mm-hmm. and, and how much the deer like them. Yeah, uh, this they is do a, love them. a good oh, addition, yeah. and they actually put out more tonnage of leaf area. Yeah, more tonnage, and we're seeing, uh, you know, the early tests. Actually, more preference than the daikon radish when they're young. You know, a little bit hard to get them established when it's which, that way. But. Which is a big thing to say yeah. because they're maybe. Ne- I mean, we've always said that those no, that yeah, radishes are maybe the most attractive thing we've ever. Early on in the last few weeks, we everywhere we've planted them, even next to deer radish, we've seen more browse, uh, more utilization than on the other one. So very early, very early on. You know, so. The but, drought re- resistantness is is pretty cool too to yeah. see. I mean, the, the folks that got them in early, I mean, you know, late August, early mm-hmm. September. I mean, that's all they had. I mean, that made it through that early planting. So I mean, it's been been really cool. This to has see been that. a tough year. I'm looking at you guys. Yeah, it's been so dry. Oh my goodness, this is the worst year I can since 2007 that mm-hmm. I can recall. Yeah. Way back in 2000. Back in the day, it's crazy that that was 15ish years ago. That is true. So look, let's, that was fifteen years ago. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Let's talk about let's 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 talk what you guys came here to. You know, it makes Netlanny nervous to have you guys. No, it does Go ahead and get. Give that me a break. Out. You're the one nervous. You're stuttering over there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but these guys are, are are the coordinators, right, for Hunter Education and Butter Education uh, for right. the state of Mississippi. So uh, we thought it'd be you know good to just jump into and talk about some general safety rules since the time is upon us. Yeah, it it, it is, and, and guys are fixing to spend a lot of time in the woods and tree stand safety seems to be something that just every year we hear a story about somebody falling out and. Yeah, one of my, I mean, I'm going to jump in there. One of my earliest memories in life is coming. I was too young to actually go with my dad. I wanted to go, but I couldn't. And I remember, I think we went to, I don't know, I'm sure we went to Walmart or something with my mom and came back, and he was on the couch with a broke ankle, you know, had it elevated and ice on it. So Fell out of a tree. Fell out of a tree stand. You know, that was back in the old, uh, probably, it wasn't even, I don't think AMAC or, AMAC or was around back then, but. Probably yeah, a board broke. Yeah, probably a board broke. I think that's, talking to Tony Rosetti, that's, you know, uh, yeah, this week at the football field, that's exactly what happened to him, too. A board fell out. So, you know, um, just jumping on in there. That, obviously, it's a big part of it. We've been rehabbing tree stands all week here, you know, just being sure they're they're good and safe. Well, you know, we could do a whole podcast without any guests. Just to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll sit here and talk <laughs> so, the whole time. So. Well, what do you, what, what, tell us about the tree stand safety. What, yeah, what, tree stand safety is really important, and uh, the things that, that uh, Lanny's mentioning is common. You know, my first tree stand, um, I, I built it out of wood. 
um, you know, I was a kid um, and just took it out there, does not have safety in mind, hammering some nails and some old, uh, some old, uh, you know, scrap lumber and built a tree stand. Uh, but that's not safe, and I see that now. And uh, luckily, nothing happened, but it's still common, and you see that. So, you know, we really encourage people to use uh, quality deer stands and the ones that you have in currently in current use to check them on a regular basis. Um, you know, every year, and don't leave them out in the woods over you know the summertime. Um, and you know, this time of year um, is a you know well before season starts. If you're if you're a bow hunter, of course, you should have already had that accomplished, and and make sure. Um, that you know all your pins are in there in place and make sure there's no rusty weak spots and stuff like that and just really encourage people to buy quality stuff you know quality deer stands quality safety harness uh, things like that 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 matter um, but it does kind of get overlooked sometimes people are so excited the anticipation of deer season is so big uh, that you know we're really focused on you know planting our food plots the right type of seed putting our cameras out there, getting our guns zeroed in, you know, practicing with our archery equipment, just all that stuff, and it's good. It should be fun, and it's supposed to be fun, but sometimes safety does get overlooked, and it should be an important element, you know, in that in that equation to uh, make sure that, hey, I got my, my safety harness, and even take it to the house and try it on before you hit the woods, you know, at, at 5 a.m., and, before, you know, as you climb that that, that first tree and, uh, and practice with it and kind of, just get used to what that feels like. Get used to putting it on. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, tree stand safety is uh, it. Well, it's it's the most common type of hunting accident in America. So, do you so. see that when uh, when you have to respond to these guys that have fallen, whatever? Is it is there? Are they not wearing safety belts most Correct. of the, most of the time? Yeah, yeah, and every, yeah. Every every one of them is is not wearing a safety harness, and usually it's an it's a combination of a of a. A, a bad tree stand that shouldn't be in use it's in poor condition and the combination of that without a safety harness results in a serious injury and sometimes a fatality so and most accidents are be when you're going into the stand climbing into your stand or you're uh trying coming down mm-hmm. that's when you're going <clears> to <throat> slip um you're going to lose one of your three points of contact and that combined with not wearing a safety harness results in tragedy yeah the the whole lifeline thing is relatively new. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, used to it was accept. It, I don't like using the word acceptable, but it, it seemed acceptable twenty something years ago to, you know, to use the harness once you get up in the tree. And now it's unacceptable to even leave the ground without being strapped in in mm-hmm. some kind of way, whether it's a lineman's belt or these, you know, prussics that you slide up as you go. They call them a lifeline. Yeah. Yeah, I use a lifeline exclusively with the, with my safety harness because of what you're speaking of. You know, just stay connected from the minute your feet leave the ground till I'm done hunting and I come back down. You want to stay connected at all times. That way you can relax and enjoy your hunt and not worry about, you know, a potential fall. Or if your tree stand fails while you're while it's supporting your weight, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you stay connected is really important. Um, a climber, you know, you use that – you slide your – you slide your harness up as you – As you go. Yeah, yeah. as you go. Yeah. And, and just never, never unattach. And be careful when it's cold. Uh, more times than not, you know, the ice, even if it's on wood or metal, you know, can be can be uh, very uh, slippery. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's just so much can, uh, can go wrong. It can be, I mean, you can be tired, oh, yeah. worked all week, get up in the stand and get warm and comfortable, and next thing you know, you're nodding off. Nodding off. Or, yeah. or, or, and I've done this before, I mean, you get so excited 
Yeah. It's, it's, you just yeah. kind of forget where you are. Right. You know, if you maybe you shoot a deer or something, you know, you got to. And I'll tell you another thing, and this is, you know, maybe I'm the only one this is happening to, but I'm, you know, getting a little older, and my balance isn't what it used to be. Yes. I, I mean, I think that's just a, you know, as you get older. So, I mean, other guys, you just can't do the things that you used to do when you were 22 years old. Right. Right. Mac, no it'll doubt. happen to you, I promise. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's coming. Lanny is probably. Oh, no, it's sinking. I can't do near what I used to do when I was 22. I was practically a tree squirrel back then. But, yeah, it is. <laughs> and then you think about, you know, you just, uh, your your perception changes as you get older, I think. I think because you have more at risk. Obviously, kids, you know, back when I was 22, 23, 24, bow hunting all the time, <clears throat> I was worried about myself, you know. And now you got other things to look after, including your kids and your family and your place. So be safe. I know, I, I know all of y'all have a have a couple of stories, yeah. horror stories at that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I any, think uh, anybody who's hunted for any amount of time, mm-hmm. you've had a close call or a scare. Oh, I yeah. know I have. Oh, yeah. I used to think you couldn't bow hunt unless you were 30 feet up Me too. a tree. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but the most common thing I think I, I've seen in my career is, um, number one, people aren't wearing a safety harness. But n- number two is they leave a tree in a, uh, a stand in a tree for a whole year. And uh, I know one, I worked, I think it was last year, um, I think it was 20, he was 20 feet off the ground. And he got, he said, I got in my stand when I stood up, it collapsed on me. And he fell straight down, landed on his feet. It pushed his hip six inches up <sighs> into his waist. Um, I think it fractured or shattered both tibias. Um, it was it was very gruesome to see. But when I was investigating it, um, it was very obvious that the stand had the tree had grown into the stand by the inch, and while it did that, it straightened the hooks out on the strap. Mm-hmm. That's what caused caused it to fail. Um, and I think if anybody sees something that tragic, um, and how gruesome and how much pain that gentleman was in, you would you would think twice about wearing your safety harness and uh, maybe popping the straps on those stands and taking them down and putting them in a barn over over the summer. Yeah, no doubt about it. <coughs> My uh, cousin uh, in Lowndes County, not, uh, I think it was two years ago, it took his taking him almost a year and a half after following that same incident uh, to rehab, to just even get back to where he can again. So, yeah, And when most of these accidents occur, I guess you're lucky if you might have a phone that you can get to mm-hmm. to get help, but some of these guys probably, the phone gets shattered or yeah. I'm just saying there's probably some. I had, I had one a couple of years ago. It was a fatality. It was a young man from out of state and. It's a homemade tree stand, uh, like Marshall said. A lot of times we see the homemade stands; they're just not—they're not up to par where mm-hmm. they need to be. Um, it was about a ten-foot ladder stand, just made out of wood. He had it strapped to a pine tree with a ratchet strap. Um, he stood up. We figured he stood up to use the bathroom or something. The stand rolled with him, and he had a forty-five seventy, and the barrel actually impaled. Mm into his rib cage, and he ended up bleeding out. Goodness uh, gracious. But he was able to call his mother and tell her, hey, I, I fell. Uh, of course, by the time she got down there to him, he, his thing was gone. Hmm. But, you know, when you see that type of stuff, it just, uh, you know, not to paint a gloomy picture, but, you know, that, that boy was 17. He'd come to deer hunt in our state. Um, sure, he was excited. And people, a lot of times, they throw safety out the window. They don't think about, I need to do something else besides put this tree stand on this tree but with a ratchet strap, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the thing we want to drive home to people. 
we want people to have fun. We want people to get outdoors. We all hunt. I love it. I plan on taking my daughter this weekend. Um, you know, I grew up hunting, and it's easy to forget about the safety aspect of it mm-hmm. and how quick um, things can go wrong. You know, just little things that you overlook. So that's that's that's. Uh, we appreciate y'all having us here. That that is. Uh, a lot of times we're the bad guys. Game wardens, people people don't like game wardens. They see us coming, you know. But if I if we can write a ticket and it saves somebody's life, hey, I'll do that every day. Because uh, I've had to go to the door, knock on the door, and say, hey, your your son or daughter's not coming home because wow. they did, because they didn't do some right. little small safety thing that I could have wrote them a ticket for. They didn't have their hunter's orange on today, you know. I'll write a thousand tickets and make you mad versus having to go to your mom and dad's house and tell them you're not coming home. Yeah. No so, doubt about it. Yeah. So, yeah. so inherently hunting is uh, a pretty safe sport compared to other things. But if on the, along the same lines, I mean, we've got firearms in our hands. We've got sharp broadheads on the end of mm-hmm. arrows. You're up high. There's just a lot that if you're not paying attention the whole time, things can go wrong. Yeah, a lot of it is about being prepared. You know, what you just said there is um, from firearms with safety harnesses, with life jackets in a boat, if you're duck hunting, just being prepared and thinking about what you need to take with you uh, for that day, that afternoon hunt, you know, whatever it's going to be. And um, and some of that starts with um, our hunter education classes. They're taught in all 50 states. Uh, it's a nationwide curriculum, and it's nine chapters that covers a lot of topics, conservation, wildlife ID, but it also is heavily focused on safety and it just tries to drive home the message of, you know, be prepared, uh, think things out, firearm safety, you know, the Ten Commandments of Firearm Safety, uh, wear a safety harness in a tree stand, if you're elevated in any kind of tree stand, um, you know, practicing your, your zone of fire principles if you're in a group hunt, um, you know, that's a common occurrence that we see. Uh, second to tree stand falls is, is firearm incidents. And sometimes people are hunting as, as a small group, and they don't they don't honor that that zone of fire. You know they they get uh, tunnel vision. You know a, a big buck is running through the group, and and someone uh, doesn't um, you know stop swinging on the game basically with their firearm, and another partner hunter is you know is shot. You know, and uh, you just get so zoned in and focused. So. Those classes teach that stuff to adults and children, and um, but you know we've also learned that a lot of youth hunters, you know, and we're in youth season now in our state and many other states uh, now, uh, but a lot of youth hunters really learn from the adult in their life that's teaching them every day, everything from you know how to hunt, if it's if it's ducks or deer or whatever it is, they'll um, they'll teach that that young person all those aspects of you know how to look for deer sign, how to hunt the wind, just all, all hunting things, you know, but it needs to be include the safety aspects. If they teach that, ch- that child, you know, what, keep your orange vest on, practice your firearm yep. safety, um, that child will, will grow up utilizing those skills and pass it on to their children and is far less likely to be involved in some type of, of incident. So it's really important that, you know, if you're teaching a child to hunt, um, include that in that lesson mm-hmm. as yeah. you take them outdoors. That reminds me, growing up, my dad, we always had bird dogs. And he quail hunted back when we had quail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, he would hand me 
my shotgun for the day. I might have been 12 or 13. And I would see him check it. He'd hand it to me. I was to check it. Even though I just sat there and watched him check it. He, I'd get in trouble if I didn't check it myself. So, uh, you know, that was that was something that was instilled in me when I was young. What Marshall's saying, that come from my father. You know, so a lot of... A lot of the stuff, the traditions as hunters that we learn, that's where we get it from. And I think that's part of our job, um, whether we're game wardens and we're, we're teaching hunting safety, or you guys and what y'all do, um, is pass that on, you know, what was handed down to us. I think it's, that's very important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And taking responsibility, you know. Uh, you can't assume anything with firearms, and that's what your dad was reinforcing with you. He's like, I check it, but you need to check it too. Yeah. You know, it's a big part of it. So the thing about Hunter Orange, I mean, we're a, we're a camo company. Yeah. We love to wear camo. But I, I, I'll be the first to say I, I have had so many experiences with deer and pigs where they had no clue I was in the world when I was I had an orange vest or orange cap on. I mean, they, they just don't see it. It doesn't seem to bother them at all. So, you know, these young people sometimes like, I don't want to wear orange. I hear it. My daughter, right. when she was little, yeah. I had to make, make her wear the orange. I understand. But it but – it, it, guys, I just promise you, it just it, you can wear that orange and you can still get away with whatever you need to get away with on, on deer. Oh yeah, not turkeys. But, <laughs> <laughs> on, on deer. but I, I'll tell you, look, I, I tell, I, I thought I was kind of smart when I did this, but and, and Mac, you might pay attention for Wilkes coming up, but when Jessie was little, I, I had her. She had her own little rifle, and I had a, a orange sling that was always on that rifle. And I, my thought process was when she gets old, went older one day, 15 or 16, wants to go hunting with a, a boy somewhere, you know, some boy asked her, uh-huh. at, at least I could guarantee there was one thing that was orange yeah, that yeah. was going to be would be there, you know. But uh, still today, that's, that's the, her lucky sling. But I don't know. That, that just made sense to me. Sure. Because you want those kids, you want those youngers to, you, you got to have orange. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. you're going to write them a ticket if they don't have orange. Well, yeah, right. it seems like. And I'll say this, it seems like a, a, I've seen folks as a guest that just think it's okay not to wear orange because they're on their private land. Um, just make a point and say, you know, or lead by example. Put on, if, if people around you aren't wearing it, wear it. And, and maybe say something, you know, make it a little bit awkward, you know, because that, that seems to be, uh, it's not too uncommon. I think take extras too. I mean, that's one thing I always Absolutely. do is I always I always pack extras. Yeah, they're cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, like that Allen brand. You can you know just keep it in the packaging, throw it under your seat in your truck. You know, definitely. So it seems to me that one of the other places we need to make sure that we're extra careful is that kind of at the truck when everybody's either getting their guns yeah. out or putting their guns yeah. back up. It seems like that's you hear about stories about something happening there. Yeah, I, I started my career. I mentioned Holmes County earlier. Uh, that's where I started my career. I worked there a couple of years. Um, it was right at dusk. I was getting out of my truck to check a guy. He was coming out of the woods. And and that's one thing I wanted to mention, too, is because uh, I know a lot of people listening to this, you know, across the country. Um we see it a lot. People get nervous. They might have not done anything wrong, but when they see us coming, they get nervous. Oh, yeah. You know. This is a game. <laughs> Look at Bobby right yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, this guy, of course, I was young in my career, and 
I, you know, they, they teach us in the academy, you know, when we're approaching somebody, you know, one first thing to make sure that gun's unloaded, mm -hmm. you know. And I didn't do that for whatever reason. So this guy walks up and I was like, Hey man, did you had you know, did you do any have any luck? You know, did you kill anything? Do you see anything? And he's automatically just <laughs> <laughs> he's shaking and he had a thirty out six rifle and it went off. And the round went right between my feet. It blew leaves all over me, and I just froze for a minute. I'm like, I'm, I'm still, I'm all right. I'm like, of course. Then I went into full officer mode, and I'm like, give me that gun, you know. Yeah. But the guy had not done anything wrong. Um, he was just nervous. Um, he had his license, had his orange on, um, but it had been so long, and, and we hear that a lot too. Um, People, they may go several years without being checked by a game warden. Mm -hmm. So when they finally see one, they're like, oh, it's him. It's the game warden. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. And Did I forget something? Yeah. 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 So uh, when you get down out of your stand, you know, before you get back, unload your gun, you know, make it safe. Uh, that way, if if we happen to be up there, you know, it's already unloaded. But not just for us, but for your safety, for the hunter's safety. Walking back and forth with the truck to the stand, you could trip and fall if that gun's loaded. You know, I tell people, make sure it's unloaded till you get up there and get set down in position. And before you get out, unloaded. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, good advice. That's unloaded. So, leaning back toward uh, what Dudley said a minute ago about making it awkward and making other people, you know, having, having vests. I remember a story. This happened in Alabama, but so – a hunter was in a tree, but somebody had put him out. And so that person didn't think they needed to wear any orange because they weren't hunting. And the guy had a brown coat and a white T-shirt. And he walked in at dark to pick up his buddy, and he got shot right in the chest. And, and I, I was young when that happened, but yeah. that, that whole white shirt thing is what they said that's what the, you know, yeah. the guy saw some movement. It was white, got excited, and shot. And so – and you just you got to think about things like that, and that orange would have solved that problem, yeah, for sure. And of course, clearly identifying your target, which is you know, yeah, there a, a lot target. went yeah. yeah. Well, you're and, right. and a, you, a lot went bad. Yeah, you there, don't but. shoot at something you don't know what it yeah, is. Yeah, obviously. And you you would think that would be status quo, but, but you got to tell people. I mean, uh, they don't know, especially the new new hunters and people that aren't as experienced. So mm, yeah, especially during turkey season, mm -hmm. we see uh, yeah. a lot of. Yeah, My hunters get shot during turkey season, and I know I worked a case when I first came on. A guy had some was full of camo, had uh, cargo pockets, had a coke bottle in his, uh. in his cargo pocket, and uh, was walking along a creek creek bank and got shot. And the shooter said, "What well, all he saw was that red, mm -hmm. and thought it was the head of a gobbler, and that's why he shot. Yeah. Didn't ID his game." And yeah, you start hearing the leaves rustling, and you get excited. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Clearly identify your target. Mm, mm, mm. One time I was, as a, as a guest, uh, invited to go deer hunting, and I got set out at a stand. Uh, and, and this was somewhat recently. Um, and I looked up, and it was just really rickety looking. You know, like y'all had mentioned, it hadn't been checked. And I just made the choice, like, it's not worth it. And so I just yeah. hunted on the ground uh, right underneath the stand and waited until they came back, and I just politely told them, you know, thanks. I had a great hunt. Saw several deer. 
but just decided to make the choice not to even attempt to climb it. Mm-hmm. So you can if do you, you can it, do you that. Sure don't yeah. need to get in it. <laughs> yeah. And have you ever fallen out of a tree stand? Yes, yes, I have. Wow, well, I'm lucky though. I was, I guess, young enough, you know, that it, it wasn't that bad. Uh, yeah. But I've fallen out of tree stands. Uh, you know, just been landed right. I guess is the best way to put it. So I've been fortunate, but uh, very aware of it now. You know, um, back in the day, I, even the ratchet straps, like using nylon straps, it just scares me to death now. Even, you know, it, with metal stands, the rust that can come into them, you know, I like chain-on uh, stuff, but they can still get, like you're talking about the tree expanding, it can still bend the metal on it too. But, uh, yeah, I've fallen out, sure have. Uh, and fortunate enough that I, I didn't, or either thick-boned enough that it worked out for me. But I would just say, you know, I was trying to hook in, one time I was calling, we were checking tree stands um, down in Portland Landing and, and climbed up to the lock on uh, and had my head about seat level and I was going to wrap my uh, harness strap around it and there was a red wasp nest right there in the seat. Yeah. yeah. So I just jumped. <laughs> it was great till I landed and the carabiner came down and hit me in the top of the head. But yeah, so I've been, I've been fortunate. But yeah, I mean, it, it's happened. We spent a lot of time in trees too. Uh, but to your point before, I look at it completely different now. You know, I've, I've, we've been fortunate enough, and we got to go the extra steps to be sure. Plus, I'm getting old, too. I can't handle any broken bones. Double-check your knots. Yes. Uh, you know, like at, at camp doing the climbing stuff, they would always reiterate to double-check all of your your knots and hookups. Right. And what's it? It's a prussic. Is that what it's called? The prussic. A prussic. Prussic hitch. It's a friction hitch that, you you know, on those lifelines. Once you get used to it, it's super easy to use. Yep. It's adjustable. You know, Bobby, if you're even getting tired in your tree stand, you can tighten it up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll hold you in it place. make you feel a little better. <laughs> I feel genuinely safer now, uh, safer than I ever have with these safety harnesses. Mm-hmm. And the technology that's come along, too, it's not just three-inch webbing anymore. Yep. You know, they got it really – they even got a little bungee cord in some right. of them. So, yeah. so um, do y'all get a, a, a during the course of a year a lot of calls somebody's falling out of tree stand y'all got to go we've had um yeah. so like this to answer that question this season that we're currently in we've had three already wow. two yeah. last weekend and one was a fatality Ugh. uh so and you know we hope there won't be more um and that's kind of what our goal is is to educate do hunter safety talks teach the classes uh we've taught for example uh from the start of this year, we've taught 204 hunter classes in our state, either through volunteer instructors or through our officers teaching it. Um, you know, just trying to push that out there, push that message out there. But it still happens, unfortunately. And, um, you know, it's um, there will likely be more mm-hmm. you know, throughout the season. You know, we're, we're only in our, our archery and youth <coughs> season right now for deer. Um, but we're, we're, we're on, you know, approaching regular gun season. And then duck season's right next uh, – is behind that. So that's when it's a uh, full blast, you know, Mississippi's big hunting state, and it's going to be uh, thousands of people, you know, in the field, in the oh, woods. Yeah. And um, just the number of people out there increases the odds of those, those events occurring. So we really want to, you know, get that message out there to people and try every year to spread that awareness, you know, to please wear your orange vest. The orange vest, in my mind, sometimes it's just like defensive driving. It's like watching out for the other guys is to let people see you, mm-hmm. you know, wear a safety harness in case you fall. Uh, a thousand things can happen to make a person fall out of a tree stand. You know, it doesn't discriminate who you are. If you're a veteran hunter or if you're a new hunter, it could happen to any of us. So that harness is kind of that that um, that safety net just keeps you in there. But that orange vest is incredibly important. Um, you know, I've, I've hunted public land before, and I was in a, a climbing stand, for example, and um, 
way back there where I would not expect anybody to be and a squirrel hunter come through and I had an orange vest on. I was facing his, he was walking towards me, I was facing him and he almost never saw me. It's surprising that you would mm -hmm. think he would see he's looking up, but he's just so focused on squirrel hunting, he overlooks my location. I'm wearing an orange vest and I kind of had to wave at him several times to get his attention because I could see he was, you know, coming towards me, uh, hadn't seen me yet. But public land, you know, watch out for the other guy, have the orange vest on. It's just a safety thing. And once he once he saw me, you know, he kind of waved me off, and I kind of waved back at him. He went his way, and I continued to hunt. Uh, so just stuff like that, you know. But even on private land, you can't assume that you're the only person out there. Mm -hmm. So keeping that orange vest on, I keep mine on all the time. I don't take it off for any reason. There's no reason to take it off. Like you said, it doesn't affect the hunting. Um, and um, But, yeah, just, just, uh, just certain things that you can do. But it does – it does happen, you know, that these incidents continue to happen. So, Well, we all know somebody that's fallen out of a tree. And I mean, we could, everybody. We could list a whole page and, and, here. Yeah, I and it's, you know, there's, there, tons there's, of it. there's always a bat. There's, they, there's rarely end. I mean, somebody's going to lose a, a part of a leg or they, they're going to be, be in a wheelchair. Yeah. There's just a lot that can happen. That was a good point you made about the vest. I mean, even if your state says – you know, you can take it off when you get up in the tree or whatever. You can choose to, to leave it on right. the yeah, whole time yeah. you're hunting. That's right. Uh, Another thing, uh, let somebody know where you're going. Yeah. yeah. That way if something Great does point. happen and you can't yeah. get to your cell phone, you don't have any service, say 8 o'clock rolls around, you haven't showed back up to camp or your house, they know where to look for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, great tip because that, that happens a lot. That's a, actually a really common scenario that we see yeah. on our side. Uh, people, you know, some hunters by nature don't want to tell yeah. the next guy where I'm hunting because it's a secret. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. Yeah. And, and, and we get that. But yeah. tell somebody like your wife, your girlfriend, somebody, um, and you can, and with, with, with smartphones, you know, drop a pin and send it to them, mm -hmm. you know, text them that pin because if something does happen, because you never know, it, it, it saves a couple hours of a search. Mm -hmm. And uh, that scenario happens where, uh, like last year, for example, a call that I went on was a hunter had fallen that morning before daylight, no harness on, in a, in a real junky climbing stand. He fell that morning before daylight as he was going up, and the family didn't call until about 7 or 8 o'clock that night. Mm -hmm. So it took us a couple hours to find him because he didn't tell anybody where he was going. And once we found him, uh, he was in really bad shape, had to land a helicopter in a field and take him to Memphis to a trauma center. Whew. So, I mean, can you imagine laying there all day, mm -hmm. can't reach your cell phone, no one knows you're hurt? I mean, he was severely injured. Uh, it, was, it was a bad deal. But, you know, those key things of don't hunt in a, in, a, in a junky deer stand. Make sure it's good quality. Have a safety harness on. Tell somebody where you're going. Those small little, little pieces of information and things you can do can really make a big difference. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that, that, that individual did end up passing away uh, <sighs> from complications later. But... It's a, it's a sad deal, you know, but tell somebody where you're going. Uh, another small thing would be just uh, use a small flashlight, you know, as you, as you go in and out of the woods in, in the dark conditions, you know, n just for you to see, but also for other hunters that may be around can, can see you. They don't just shoot at movement or a, a, a dark, shadowy figure that they may think is a deer, mm -hmm. like you said, and identifying the game. Well, a deer doesn't carry a flashlight, so right. it, it, helps, <laughs> it helps, you know, helps out there, so. Yeah, those are all good tips. I, I tell you, when you when you when you just when you think about somebody falling like that in the in the dark and not been not nobody knowing where they are, that that is just bad as scenario. Yeah, think about Tony Rossetti um, 
Bodoc and start. Well, I mean, there's there's been a lot of guys that have done it and, and made it. But then, you know, to, to their point, quicker you can get in there. I mean, two hours is a lot of difference, you know. Or, or that guy's case could have been 10 or 12 hours, you know. Yeah, more and more people seem to be going deeper into public oh, yeah. land and things these days, thanks to, you know, apps like Onyx. And, yeah. uh, but, you know, that just increases your risk and, and even more reason to tell a friend or a loved one Rough, at least roughly where you're going. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I may change my plan a little bit or, you know, have a my route changes some, but I, can, to me I can text, you know, <laughs> yeah. where my truck is going to be parked, and sometimes I'll get the little editing thing and, and draw like a loop on the, on the photo that I yeah. send and say I'm going to roughly follow this terrain or whatever. I text Shannon, my wife, you know, when I'm, when I'm there, I'm here, and then before I get down, I'm coming out. Now, she has called me with two hours later and said, I thought you was coming out. I was like, I still am. <laughs> it's taking my time. But, yeah, so letting them know, talk about it. it it's, a, it's a good thing uh, to, to let somebody know. And I mean, it may it not really be is. a tree stand in, you know, injury. It, you may step where a, where a tree yeah. rotted and a big hole in the ground and break your leg yeah. or yeah. 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 All kind of stuff. anything. And yeah. you're, you're tired. You've been walking all day. You're just increasing the chance of, of something going wrong. What other scenarios give you guys a lot of concern? And is there anything around duck hunting that we need Bodie to touch has about? To be one. Well, Absolutely. what he just yeah. mentioned, what he just mentioned about, um, you know, on boating, uh, let somebody know where you're going. We had that incident happen maybe 10, 15 years ago, right here locally, where a father and son took a boat out during during deer season, um, and they flipped the boat over uh, in Tibby Creek and uh, lost his phone, lost mm. his way of communicating. And we got the 911 call from his wife later that night when I was actually in the Starkville area working uh, a headlighting situation, me and several officers. And we had to stop doing that and go put boats in the water and search uh, for them. And luckily we found them. They had swam to the bank. They just couldn't call anybody. They were hypothermic. It was incredibly cold that night. But luckily uh, they were okay. But the problem with that whole scenario uh, was we didn't know where to start searching. We had to find their truck at the boat ramp to even start mm. taking the next step, say, hey, they are here still. This is where they put the boat in. But the wife had no info other than they went to the river. Well, that could be anywhere, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it took several hours of searching about till about 3 a.m., I think, to find them. And uh, luckily they were okay, you know. But just something simple. Did the, a small boat, he just bought it, I was told. He flipped it over, had his young son. And I think they had life jackets, and they swam to the bank. So, you know, uh, stuff stuff happens, and it, it can happen. It compounds yeah. into a huge problem. You know, you're out there. It's 20 degrees, and it's three it's three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that's not very fun. I, and I think I think a lot of times people, when they get into the duck hunting, you know, they may have a boat, a pontoon boat. They go out on the lake in the summertime. That's a whole different scenario than being in a duck boat with decoys, a dog, you know, two or three guys, a shotgun. Um, so, and they're focused on duck hunting. They're not focused on boating safety. And we see, I see, we've seen that a lot. Mm -hmm. um, they still got to, all the requirements are still there. You know, they still got to have their life jackets on. You know, the boat needs to be registered. Um, so, I mean, you got to, when you've got a big, heavy, thick coat on and you got a pair of waders on, shotgun shells probably in your vest, you know, oh, in gosh. the pocket of those Hard waders, slam. and you go in the water, you, I mean, and guys just don't wear their life jackets duck hunt a lot, mm -hmm. you know. But yeah. uh, so Interesting. we want to we want to drive that home too. Don't forget about 
you know the it's one thing to go you know deer hunting on land or whatever but when you when you combine a boat and duck hunting together that's where the two merge yeah um, you got to remember all the safety aspects. Yes, yeah. don't, don't yeah. overload your boat. Yeah, yeah. boat capacity. Make, make multiple yeah. trips. Yeah, wrong and that and yeah. that's usually a pre-dawn boat ride, right. and it's yeah. cold. And it, yeah, and yeah. be aware of those currents. I'm gonna tell you, especially duck hunting. You know, on those rivers and those live water situations, because it yeah. can get really quick and get bad really quick. Absolutely. And check your duck blinds. If you got a floating duck blind, make sure it's anchored well. It's not gonna capsize or worry about that when you're getting yeah. in or out. We've seen that before. You know, the, the heartbreaking part of, of a hunting accident is that, so, I mean, there's one falling out of a tree stand. That's usually a lone one person. But hunt, a lot of times hunting accidents that involve firearms, it's family members. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, it's at least friends. You know, yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's, that's it's it, it rarely does it seem like it's somebody shooting some, you know, accidentally shooting somebody that, that, that they don't know, didn't know. It's just all, it's They've always some kind of relation to them. Yeah. yeah. More often than not, I would yeah. think. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. It is true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to r- relate that to, a, to our audience. And it's, it's so easy to become complacent and just drop your guard a little bit. But and as we're trying to mentor it doesn't matter if it's a kid or if it's an older person that you maybe you're That's taking right. that i mean it's just a we need to take every opportunity we can to make sure we do like dudley said and set a really good example to even tell people why we're doing certain Safety things first, no yeah you show up at a duck camp and they're all piling in the boats and nobody's throwing a life jacket on i mean be that guy just yeah you say be that guy sometimes yeah yeah i ran into some guys that were uh that they were running down the hunting on the river and I, they probably weren't supposed to be doing this maybe they can but they had come from arkansas and i don't guess they knew but they had their they had a shell like sideways in their chamber you know and so i guess they could load their gun right quick i'm like what the hell are y'all doing with that and they're like oh we could be fast i'm like you're not even set up to hunt so i mean go ahead i guess the point is deadly don't be afraid to tell somebody before they do something stupid Right, you know I mean? and you know there might be somebody younger in the boat that can learn from that. Right, yeah. You know, you by you being a, a good example. Yeah, the, it, you know, and you speaking up, that person, that that younger person that you're talking about, Dudley, is uh, that makes an impression. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. it yeah. does. Yeah, and and I'll go ahead and say it. And, say it, and, and I'm looking at Hercules when hey, I say Hercules it. Maybe Hercules over there. There's no deer's worth. Absolutely you know, not. Some Injury kind of, or some or kind of accident. Now, hurt, now Hercules right? is getting close. I will admit <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, it really, it, it really is. At the end of the day, no, nothing's worth, nothing's worth not going home. You know what I mean? It's just not. So. Y'all, y'all got any other good game warden stories you can tell us? That. Oh, I've got. They got a bunch. I know Jake goes over. He's over. Jake, <laughs> look. Tell me about. You surely you've run through the woods and tackled somebody as big as you are. <laughs> oh, I've never had that actually. I've never had a physical altercation in my ten years. Um, I had it's good. Did, no, no, I see him. Yeah. And it <laughs> yeah. has it. We had this happen. No. Year. <laughs> uh, another thing is be weather aware. Ah. Dove season rolled around and uh, it was a Saturday, and there was some rain coming in. Our storm was pushing in. But it was still a good ways out. And a guy was duck hunting and got struck by lightning. Woo! Um, blew the stock off the gun. Uh, very lucky he's still alive. He's recovered now. I think he's going to be fine. No after no aftershock or effects. But it's uh, it's probably the craziest hunting incident I've ever seen. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's pretty wild right there. And like we, a lightning rod holding a lightning rod. That's right. Yeah. And, the, and the weather was a good uh, 
uh, ways out. It, it was the sun was shining, uh, no wind was blowing, and he still got hit by lightning. Got him. Golly. <laughs> I'm gonna know. hold my barrel lower than you. Think <laughs> <laughs> makes you think. <laughs> yeah, it makes you think. Make me think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Think about that. You gotta, you know, water. people are. Um, I mentioned public land earlier, but people are getting more bold and they're using little kayaks and things. Yeah. And uh, these uh, these new tree saddles, they're great. They're ultralight, but there's a lot of ropes and stuff going everywhere and weird mm-hmm. knots and just test your stuff. You know, as far as putting a kayak in and in the dark and paddling, you know, just make sure you have extra, you know, a really nice life jacket on. If you're using those saddles, which, again, they're awesome. But there's a lot of technical stuff to them. Practice with them a lot in your yard and mm-hmm. learn your knots, That's all that good stuff. Double check safety. everything. Yeah. Shoot, shoot the gun and know the gun you're hunting with. Right. You yeah. don't want to go out there first time ever holding yeah. a gun you've never shot. You don't know where the safety mechanism right. is. You don't know. And sight um, the dead gum thing. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're more comfortable with what you've already shot. Before. Right. Yeah. Um, and the equipment you use, safety harness and et cetera. So, so we've, we've asked this before, but I, I think it's probably appropriate to ask it again. If, if you guys walk up on somebody hunting, what, what do you all want them to do? Well, the main thing is, is you know, if, if guys walking out of the woods, uh, like I mentioned earlier, Number one, make sure that gun's unloaded. Um, you as a hunter need to do that. Um, so if you approach if, a guy, it, you want him to. That's the first thing. That's the first thing I'm gonna. That's the first thing I'm gonna ask before I ask anything. Sir, I'm state game warden. Uh, let's make your gun safe. That's okay. the first thing. We get that out of the way. I don't ever want to have another thirty out six round. I glove, bet not. <laughs> glove between my legs. Uh, so you know, that's that's the first thing. We we'll get that out of the way, but. Uh, we're just, we, you know, it may just be a simple courtesy check, you know. So checking license, make so sure you got your license. Is it okay just to have your license on your phone? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. We oh. have a, our app. You can. Uh, I, I don't carry my wallet in the woods anymore. I've lost it. Yeah. Uh, fishing yeah, and hunting two yeah. different times. And yeah. I, I so keep my app pulled up. That's right. And uh, once you uh, logged into it, if you uh, even if you don't have service, you should still be able to pull it up and show it. Now, if you've gone through the summer and you hadn't logged into our app, you might have to go back in and re-log in before you go. Um, that's a great point. Yeah. To, we see it a lot more common these days. Um, yeah. And they'll it, list them all, sportsmen. They'll show your hip survey, any stamps you have. It's all there. And I if you, if you don't have it, you can purchase it. it. Yeah, and it's, it's funny how technology – this coming January, I've been with the department 20 years, and I, the first 10 or so years, 12, you know, it was, you know, check a guy and he'd have his license now it's some of the younger kids and they're whooping out their phones you know showing you on their <laughs> yeah, phone yeah, you know, so yeah. it's funny how times have changed the technology's changed it's so, helped me the the auto renew feature on mdw oh yeah i don't have to worry about it now i set it yeah. up and it tells me hey it's coming out and i'm good to go and i screenshot mine too because often yeah. i'm in places i don't have cell phone service so yeah so if you approach some guys there in a duck blind you would appreciate them to unload their – and stop hunting yeah. while, while yeah. you're there. So, let, let's get this out of the way. I'm sure y'all got a story about that, pulling up somebody. <laughs> well, sometimes they'll just act like you're not even there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, hey, I'm here. Just want to check your license real quick. And they just keep fishing or they just keep <laughs> on hunting. And I've seen like, that in the dove field. you'll go away. Yeah. Um, but it's best just stop what you're doing. Turn around if, if – We'll make it sh- we can tell if you want to make it short and sweet it'll be short and sweet but if you want to sit there and have a conversation with us hey we're we're, uh, we're hunters and 
our fishermen, and we'd love to sit there and talk to you about what how you've done this yeah. year. And uh, we're not always just out to get you. Um, we love talking to our hunters, and I, I actually encourage that. Yeah. Yeah. Marshall, I'm looking at you. Surely you got a good story you can tell. Uh, let's see. Well, there was one time um, here locally where it was a approach of a hunter that was not doing things in a legal manner, and um, there's some narcotics there and some firearms there, and um, I was by myself, so I, um, I I handcuffed the person, and they immediately fainted in the woods. Oh wow! It just kind of fell out. So, um, wasn't a wasn't a real big deal as far as the violations, but um, I, you know, I had to swap it to, you know, providing first aid and stop the poaching investigation because the person fainted. And I come to find out later that that's a common occurrence for this person. I didn't know that, but we had just met. And, um, but anyway, um, that was an unusual contact with a, <laughs> with somebody. Um, it's like a goat. I keep picturing that in my yeah. mind. Yeah. <laughs> he was okay. And, and uh, you know everything worked out for for everybody, but um, that was unusual. So yeah, that's an unusual one right there. What about you, Ricky? You keep smiling yeah, over there. I think I, you I, got I, a handful I, of stories. A, a lot. It's probably uh, leagues of them in there. Yeah. Uh, one that comes to mind. I don't know why. It's kind of. Uh, I work Pickwick Lake a lot uh, where I live, and, and the boating uh, there in the summertime, and uh, had a guy we, we were going to check and. Wrote him a ticket. I don't remember what it was for, um, but he got mad as we were pulling off and threw a beer can at us and uh, hit 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 us and it didn't end well for him. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We we turned around and went back and boarded the boat. But I don't know. That one just stuck out to me because some of the stuff he must have wanted to go to jail. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I told somebody the other day. Uh, it's it's funny a state trooper can write somebody a speeding ticket, um, they may get a little bit, you know, mad or whatever. But most of the time they're like, yeah, I was speeding. I'll go, they go pay the fine. Yeah. We can write somebody a ticket, a game of fish violation, and it you'd think we'd have slapped the Pope. I mean, they people get so – and I don't know what I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't know if it's a pride thing, I you know, I, like they got caught, you know, whatever. But I think a lot of times, I mean, when we encounter somebody, they're – they're, do, they're getting away from whatever troubles they may have at home yeah. or at work. And they do, whether it's fishing or they're hunting in the woods, they get away from that cell phone and here comes a, a game warden interrupting or a conservation officer interrupting there a yeah. long time, so to say. And all the troubles come flooding back to them and here's somebody they can take it out on. I think that's what a lot of times we say. But I would say 95% of the people we encounter are awesome people. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a butthead every now and then, but. Lanny, can you tell the story? Remember our friend that works over? Which one? Oh, my gosh. I'm just going to say his name, Tim Brooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you tell that story about him uh, confronting some duck hunters over over there? And they and he said, freeze. And then he was going to walk to them, and they said, hey, don't, don't. Yeah, I can tell it. I mean, sure. Just, yeah. It so, may be a little bit embellished at this point. Yeah, because I don't even think – I think I'm, I'm going to be telling somebody the story, the story that told me, but well, I will sure tell it. Yeah, well, yeah, go ahead. So, uh, a guy that actually used to work here, a biologist, um, Tim Brooks is a, a core of engineers. Um, 
works for the Corps Engineers, and he was checking some duck hunters, and uh, he 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 grew up on the waterway. And I'm gonna tell you what, this guy knows seriously more about what's growing, what's living uh, up and down that waterway. He helped with the restocking eagles as one of his first projects way back when. So we love him to death, but. He he I, he knows more than anybody that I know probably about that waterway, but he still don't know as much as he thinks he does. <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> so, anyways, he was having a uh, going to check some some duck hunters, and um, he was across the slough from them, uh, and said, "Hey, we're here. We're coming to check." And they said, "Okay, fine." And he started towards them. They said, "Hey." You don't want to walk across that slough. It's too deep. And he told him, said, no, I know exactly what I'm doing. I am on the way. And he took a few steps, and nonetheless, nothing was floating but his cap. <laughs> <laughs> that was me last duck season. Oh, it was? We had a baited duck hole, and me and another officer went in there and checked it. And they were the hunters were nice and courteous. They knew they were caught. Yeah. But I was collecting a little bit of evidence, and there was a, a bag of – it was an empty bag of sunflower seeds. And I could see it, and it was about from me to you. Yeah. And I had a stick. It looked deep. And I kept, I just needed a little bit more. And I took one more step and I slipped. And I went about, I say, shoulder deep. Yeah. And it was obviously 30 degree morning. Ugh. I still had several hours of paperwork to do before I got back home, drenched. Was not good. sick with a cold the next day. And a little humiliated. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, they got a big kick out of it. They said, they, when I handed them their paperwork, they said it was this was worth Oh, no. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, I will say, look, every everybody y'all approach has a weapon or something of some kind. So, y'all be yeah, just be real courteous to these guys. They spend a, I, I'm, I got a lot of respect for y'all because y'all spend an inordinate amount of time you know, out there in the field researching and looking at this stuff. So, And y'all are not the bad guys. No, y'all are wardens. I want to reinforce that. I mean, y'all, I think that I personally think that's why the the game rules are written the way they are because y'all interpret what's going on when you're out in the field. I mean, you know when somebody's intentionally doing wrong and when they're not. So just be uh, courteous and respectful of what they do and because uh, and, they provide a huge service for us all. Yeah. They, they really do. I don't think that can be said enough. And along those lines, Mac, I'm going to get to you with a question. I know you've got a question, but, but I'm going to forget this point if I don't. I got one more, too. So. I'd also, well, yeah, we're, okay. we got time. So <laughs> is there a way, so let's just say I'm a landowner in your county, Jake. Is there is there a way you would want me to, and I don't have any problems going on, but would you want me to call you and say, hey, Jake, here's a key if you'd ever need anything? Here's how to get in touch. Do you want that kind of relationship? Or Absolutely. We're, our uh, conservation officer is only as good as the public he's serving. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's it's like throwing darts um, at, in the dark without the help of the public. I mean, yeah. 90% of the, our cases that we make come from public complaints and uh, allowing us to have a key um, to your gate to get, just park our truck behind. If we're working something in that area, whether it's night hunting or – listening for some roost shooting just to where we can hide our truck. Yeah. But absolutely, um, uh, uh, officer is only as good as the public he's serving, and I've always said that. Yeah. I want to make sure that before we close this up, and Lenny, you get to it, but that you guys can have a chance to voice, hey, guys, to the listeners, here's how we'd like you to 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 behave. If you're approaching us, we've covered that, but if you're a landowner or in a club, how, how can we? How can guys work with you in other states also so that they can have better experiences i just want to say encourage people to when they see a violation call it in right then so many times i could be at a gas station two weeks later 
a guy will come up and I saw a spotlighter other night, you know. I said, Well did you call? No. <laughs> Well, you know, we can't – like Jake said, that's true. 90% of the cases that we make come from the public calling, letting us know. Uh, so that is imperative. 1-800-BE-SMART, that is the hotline to our Jackson office. Um, and I know a lot of other states are listening to this, but whatever your local DNR, get that hotline number. Uh, call in this, these poaching things when you see them. As soon as you see them, call them in. Because a lot of times time it's a time-sensitive thing whether we'll be able to put a case together or not with it. so. And I, I don't know about other states, but 1-800-BE-SMART, it's completely anonymous if you, if you want it to yeah. be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if that's something holding you back. And, and in the state of Mississippi, uh, a lot of times if you don't, if you don't know the 1-800-BE-SMART, uh, their local sheriff's office can get a, get a hold of us pretty quick. And a lot of times we're out there and we monitor their radio, so we may hear that traffic come across. You know, that, call 911. You know, there's a headlighter out here on Kennedy Road, so-and-so. A lot of times we'll hear that, and we're, boom, we're gone, you know. So just quick as you see the violation, that's what we want people to call it in, let us know. That makes sense. Mac, you look like you got a question. Uh, n- not really a question, more of a statement, I guess. Uh, I, I, when I think about it, the, the conservation officer, I mean, that you're, you're in the woods, you're on the water, you're fishing, you're hunting. I mean, these guys are here for the wildlife and for the safety of the public. And I think if you have that mentality and, and know that it is for conservation and it is for public safety, I mean, that, that completely changes. It should change everybody's mindsets on that, I mean, being approached. And, and then thinking about safety, I mean, when we were alligator hunting and those guys pulled up and started shooting at us. I yeah, mean, like, that's wild. Like, I mean, that, it, it kind of just it makes me think, I mean, having two children, you know, really just be aware of your surroundings. And, I mean, you never know what could happen and just be prepared for it and being – being proactive and not reactive, I think, mm-hmm. in a lot of in, in precautions. Common sense, use common sense a lot. Yeah, that's right. Lanny, you had a point you wanted to make. Well, I I, th- I can probably do it when the when you closing comment kind of thing. If you want me to just do it now. No, but we, we we'll wait till you get to the closing comment. Okay. So. I thought you was going to wrap it up there. No, no, so this no. This when we mark not, that time code. Yeah. Ratchet, mark that time code <laughs> on this stuff right here. We ain't talking about it. So, uh, look, I, I want to look at all three of y'all, and I, I love a good game warden story. It doesn't have to be about safety. Have any of y'all got something that you can you can tell us? You've literally asked them that like I, I know, but times. I, 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 I want a good game warden story. No, that's pretty good, I thought. Crawling through the book, you know, there I he's, he's Any a, almost he's catch an a author. guy? Kind of, <laughs> he's looking for material for his next book. Yeah. <laughs> Jake, I'm so disappointed. I'm thinking there's a bunch of legends from back I mean, in the day before my time, um, but I guess I haven't worked long enough to become a said legend. <laughs> Other than the, one of the coolest busts ever. Yeah, yeah. Are, are yeah there, that is the coolest bust. Are there undercover game wardens here? That, 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 they can't that, that speak work? about that. <laughs> is that an out of bound question? We can neither confirm or deny. There you go. <laughs> That's pretty uh, good. Uh, conservation officers, uh, they investigate all wildlife violations uh, in their county. So not only are they out on their daily patrol, but they might have a, a larger case that they're investigating on the side. And if uh, undercover is needed uh, it, it, through the proper chain of um, communication with our superiors, it can be used. Yes. And we will. We we do utilize undercover vehicles yeah. from mm-hmm. time to time to uh, handle problem areas. 
Because, I mean, that green truck. Yeah. It kind of sticks out. It sticks yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. Everybody thinks I'm, I'm you know, because yeah, they, they think I'm Marshall because I got yeah. a green truck with mud tires. <laughs> Bless your heart. Bless your heart. Yeah. And a lot of times we'll dress down, you know, wear Mossy Oak camo. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, get hit up. I like know, that plug. Kind of blend I like in that too. with the. Get this guy back in here. <laughs> so is there a, you know, I, I hear rumors that, that in certain parts of the state, maybe there's drug problems and some of these pr- problem people are like poaching deer to sell the deer Absolutely. to problem yeah. processors that, to, to buy drugs. Is that, is that a statewide problem or? It's common uh, in South Mississippi anyway. I know I'm not sure about these parts, but South Mississippi, a whole deer, 75 bucks in drug um, $75 worth of uh, narcotics. Wow. Essentially. Huh. And that's where we see a lot of our headlighting come because they uh, get get a little fix and it keeps them up for several days. And what do they do during the night? They roll around headlighting. And you think about it, what, two deer, you got 150 bucks worth of dope. That yeah. goes a long way. Yeah. Um, and the processor would be selling the meat on the, the side? The processor a lot of times would be oblivious to it because somebody's just bringing them deer meat it's getting processed at their facility they're paying for it and then said person turns around and sells the processed meat which is also a violation uh for five bucks a pound and makes them a dollar wow interesting yeah and so that's got to even be a scary scenario for you guys to approach somebody that may be on drugs it's more and more common every day um it's to get up in a deer stand checking somebody and you can smell it or you can see the paraphernalia sitting there. You don't know. Um, I know fentanyl has become a major issue. You, so we always glove up now, no matter what we're touching, uh-huh. because all it takes is just a, the tiniest amounts, and it, you can um, you can be dead. And mm-hmm. sad to say, but we, we all carry Narcan, uh, Narcan on us now in case something like that does happen. And we, all, uh, we had an officer in South Mississippi who actually saved – somebody's life on the side of the road by using his narcan on somebody who was overdosing wow so it's something that uh i know our job is to conserve and enhance the natural resources of the state but it's something we're with our police powers it's something that we're seeing more and more is uh overdoses uh, paraphernalia narcotics use um i was working the river one day and me and my partner at the time were going down river and coming around the bend was two gentlemen they were standing up in their boat both of them had a uh, alcoholic beverage tilted back and they were partying and cheers and until they saw us and they immediately sat down <laughs> and we kind of point them to the sandbar like you know we need to talk to y'all and you would have never known it but during a pat down search i felt a sharp needle scared me to death um almost got poked and that mm. sticks in the back of my mind every day now. Yeah. That um, here I thought was just two fishermen having them a, a nice cold beverage on the river going fishing. Turns out that um, there's a lot more. That could have been a lot da- more dangerous to me as an officer um, with various diseases that rolls around. And that, um, But that's mm. something I always think about, too. Yeah. Well, you Sad guys. reality. Yeah, it is. Well, and there are these rural areas, too, where y'all work. You know, I'm sure that's, that's where – they probably go to. <laughs> so yeah. one one other thing that I'd like to touch on: Are you guys seeing that the that hunters the way they behave? Let's just say at a public duck hunting spot, or mm-hmm. do, do people need to just kind of get kind of take a chill about some of this <laughs> stuff and, and just realize that being a yeah. little more yeah. mild mannered? I've might- seen I've seen grown men 
just getting fights, knockdown, dragouts over hunting. Yeah. Yeah. Over a wood duck. A parking spot. Yeah. 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 And he hit me in the head with a decoy one time. You deserve that completely. (laughs) Uh, Or, you know, the the bass fishermen, you know, racing to the – who can be – you know, speed kills on the water. Uh, yeah. I've done it. I mean, I've been in tournaments, and you know, we got to run seventy-five in that ranger to get to that that, that, that hole. You know, but uh, just yeah. We've at the end of the day, just just chill out, just <laughs> breathe. I think a lot of it comes back it. goes back to how a person, like I said before, how they're taught, how yeah. they're raised yeah. with safety and ethics, being polite, you know, showing courtesy to other people. That that carries it a long way into adulthood. And how they treat other hunters, yeah. um, you know, who's first in a duck hole, or, you know, if there's a line at the boat ramp, just like you said, kind of relax, chill out, be courteous to people, enjoy your your time there. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not turn into a drama session, you know. Um, but that unfortunately does happen. But um, you know, it goes back to how people are raised. You know, with safety and being being ethical with the way you hunt, being polite with the way you you hunt and do other things. So. Yeah, we've all seen those uh, public land duck hole blast offs. Yeah, yeah. And how dangerous they can be. So uh, a duck's not worth somebody's life or your own life. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no doubt about it. Lane, you've—I uh, know you've seen some of that. Oh yeah, no, I've seen it a lot. Yeah, sure have. Uh, but you know, just be courteous and hey, you turn the tables on. I mean, hey, you know, Spence and, and Brooks Tinsley, uh, two uh, probably they're better hunting buddies than you know they're they're great hunting buddies and how they met is they got to the hole at the same time and instead of arguing and fighting they decided to hunt together and made lifelong friends out of each other so you know that's just one example of of a better way to approach it because it's yeah i mean come on yeah that that is a that's a great example that's a great example yeah so anyways well we're kind of winding down a little bit guys and y'all you know i've asked for this great story and, uh, and y'all are looking at me like a cow looks at a new gate it, uh, i just felt like maybe i've asked too much we've heard, we've heard some good stories at a new gate. that's pretty good no doubt about it marshall you've been around here a, a long time and we, we certainly appreciate yeah, we what you've done for this uh, this area yeah. and uh you know I, I i just can't say it enough guys i mean whether you're listening in, in michigan or florida or whatever you've got uh you've got officers in your county in your area and and, and they're there to help they're they're not the enemy and and we need to do what we can to support you guys yeah and get your kids start talking about hunter education you know get them pumped up about it get them enrolled in these classes and hey and if you're a new hunter you don't have to be a kid you know get out there and uh and get signed up uh it's it's not only a i mean you learn a lot in in the class i mean yeah it's classes for people of all ages from experienced people uh i encourage parents to sit in and learn even if they've had the class already uh, from a, a young child that's their first their, their first time taking a, a formal class of outdoor safety and topics but um yeah it's it's great i mean it's it's built for all age groups and all mm-hmm. experience levels and it's mandatory i it's mean mandatory. you're not going to get a hunting license unless right. you take this it's yeah. mandatory that's a great yeah. thing oh yeah i remember we had it in seventh grade pe yeah, class yeah. Yeah, we had it in public school too sure mine's did. so old mine's three digits Whatever. My hunter safety card. One oh oh one. I still have mine. If you're yeah. looking for a class. I didn't know you had taken it. Yeah, I thought back, you were grandfathered in. No, I, I wanted to go hunting in Colorado when I was 16 or 17, and I had and that. Have it. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Sure yeah. I did the boat and safety class. Me and Jason did both with our kids, and I was like, I know everything about a boat, and I grew up on the water. I learned something real quick. So, you know, there's nothing. You never you never get, get through learning, period. No. That's right. I'd, I'd like to add 
just just to say I appreciate y'all's support with conservation with us. Yeah. I mean, we've actually taught Hunter Ed in this very room before in years yeah. past. I mean, y'all have always been a great supporter, a great supporter of ours, and just want to say thank you for that. No, Absolutely. we're glad. We're Absolutely. Let's do it again. <laughs> so why don't we, at this point, we've got a trivia question that so the three of y'all can team up. Mm-hmm. We're going to ask you a trivia question. If y'all get it right, one of our listeners who left a review wins a prize. But uh, we'll ask this question. Y'all can, you know, confer amongst, amongst yourselves. And What are we playing for today? Let's turn it over to Mac. Mac. Can, what we got, Mac? All right, so the – Reviewer's name is better in Bottomland, so I really what? hope they all get this one right. Hey, hold up, Wait, uh, this has got to be an insider. So I don't know. About undercover, I, hold yeah. up. I'm wondering if that's. Uh, you just mentioned his name a second ago. Did he, I? He always hmm. hashtags that. Oh, maybe. So we're we're playing for a Princeton Tech light and a Stanley thermos in country DNA. And a case of Uncle Ray's Mossy Oak chips. We're going to get low on the chips. Yeah. Are we Dudley low on the chips? is eating. <laughs> have we already yeah. eaten all the chips? I ate a whole bag of barbecue yesterday. Okay, hold up. We're going to have to get some more chips. <laughs> we sent a case out yesterday. Yeah. I, I was gone. Yeah. McKellar, and he said, none of the, all these cases have a couple of bags missing. Dudley. Out <laughs> <laughs> they are. Mm. Hey, they are good. So this, so. this is a good, uh, a good question and a pretty, pretty cool history, I think. All right. But let's say this before we get started. You're gonna come. To, we're gonna come to a number. Yeah. This is a long question. I and, see and it over you, there on a piece of paper. And as long <laughs> as a lot of adjectives. All we're asking is you get within fifty. Fifty. Okay. Get, so, uh, yeah. yeah okay. So uh, everybody's gonna learn something. Okay. Here. Good. All right. Today, the once majestic bottomland hardware forest of Mississippi Alluvian Valley had been reduced to scattered and isolated remnants from their former glory. Many of the vast swamps and lowland areas which served as safe havens for thousands of bears throughout Mississippi had been drained and cleared so that the fertile black soils can be used by agriculture. By 1980, more than 80% of the bottomland hardwood forest of Mississippi Alluvian Valley had disappeared. And what became of the black bear population that was once so great as to bring the President of the United States to the Mississippi Delta? Black bears were listed as endangered in Mississippi in 1984. The Louisiana black bear, which is a subspecies that occurs in the southern half of the state, was listed as federally threatened in 1992. There are only small differences in the skull size shape between the American black bear and the North Mississippi, the Louisiana black bear, which is found in the south. MDWFMP biologists currently estimate that the Mississippi black bear population is at blank in the entire state, and that's being generous. I actually was in a meeting yesterday where a biologist gave me a number, and he said the estimates are it's over 200 now. Well, that's kind of about where we where we where we had this. Man thing, gets so. the bail. All right, yeah, Jake yeah, in the right. house. <laughs> Good job. So yeah. that's the longest question in trivia history, by <laughs> yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, we wanted to teach people a little bit there, though. But that, you know, I was surprised. I thought there'd be more. Hmm. Than that. It's a, actually a great uh, conservation story. Yeah. Um, bringing it back because I've I've never seen one in the wild growing up, and now. I mean, call, I don't know what y'all, but in southwest Mississippi, we receive calls constantly now. And actually, um, we're starting to have what we call, we call them like home bears. They've made certain areas their home, whereas used to, they would travel up from the coast, E-D-D-D, and go back to the coast or across the Mississippi River. 
and so forth. But now they're actually staying around. So Setting up home range. That's really cool. cool. And, nice. and from this research, I think that the y'all's department would like – if somebody sees one, you'd like them to call in and say, hey, this is what I saw Absolutely. and where I saw it. Absolutely. Yeah. Has there been any sightings in Knoxville County? I can't, I can't say. I know of one. Uh, there could be a, a sighting or two I'm not aware of, but I do know um, – if you remember years ago, we had a collared female bear hit on Highway 50. Oh, remember that's that? right. Yeah. That's right. And had a cub. And um, – a few days later, uh, the cub was sighted um, near the Tibby area, and I rushed out there, and it was already gone. I couldn't, we couldn't find it, and uh, kind of lost track of it. But um, that's the most recent uh, confirmed sighting that I can think of off the top of my head. Oh, good, good old Tibby. Yeah, hmm. that's awesome. Hmm. Well, I'd heard that there were some bears that have come from the Tom Bigby side. That were around the Knox Knox area. I heard. I heard Maybe that's. I was just hearing some kind of murmur yeah, about it. Yeah, I was, sure what I was, I hearing. was hearing that. So. Which 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 president was it that come that came down to hunt? Oh, oh please, 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 that one. please. <laughs> <laughs> Your audience might not know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our our audience will know, Jake. That's <laughs> Roosevelt, <laughs> my favorite <laughs> president of all time. Absolutely, yeah. 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 He started all this concert. Started all this, it all. Yeah, that's right. why we're all here, really. That's right. Without him, big hunter himself. Absolutely, had to like him. Yeah. I so wish I, was, I'd what, like to have met on, him. Onward, oh, yeah. Was it Onward, Mississippi? There's a there's a movie, a kid's so. movie with him. There's a guy that plays him. It's like Night in the Museum or something like that. It's pretty good. So, <laughs> uh, look, I would be uh, – Mark that time code, Richie. <laughs> I like that. We, we've got a – I'm looking at uh, Ricky. What about a long-tailed cat, Ricky? Oh, gosh. You're covering a big portion of the state. Have you ever encountered one or had somebody that – you kind of trusted and that said they saw one and it made you question well first of all they're not native here okay so yeah. we get the, the 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 those calls every year you know i heard a black panther screaming <laughs> uh, you know uh, we get uh, I've, I've, we've looked at no telling how many pictures people have on their phone and when you when you start looking at the size of this cat that i'm looking at it's actually a, a just a big black tomcat you know mm-hmm. however when i first went to work in holmes county i did see a mountain lion but there was a guy up the road that had some in a pen uh. and it was one that had got out but when it, when it crossed i mean it was here to that wall <laughs> yeah. and i was in the edge of holmes county where it drops off into the in the delta and a big brown cat i mean crossed in front of my truck and i'm like Huh. <laughs> that, that, I'm like, did I just see that? You know, but that's what it was. Um, you know, it, it was a guy that had some uh, a few years prior, and he just let them loose. Um, so, but but to answer your question, uh, they're not native here to our state. Um, is is there some out there? Probably yes. Were they? They were probably brought in here and put there. If you do see one. I'll say that. Yep. Yeah. So he's saying there's a chance. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly yeah. what he's well, saying. There was, there was one, um, I believe a mountain lion killed like 75 miles from the Mississippi River into Arkansas not long ago. So hmm. I'm not going to say never, but yeah, I've never seen one. It, I hadn't seen one in it, Mississippi. I tell you, you so. can't go to a hunting club, though, and hang out and talk. And somebody, eventually somebody says, yeah, we saw one. And they'll be defiant about oh, yeah. what they yeah. saw. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, I'm like, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know what I saw. I still I know what I saw. When I first came on uh, 
as an officer, I was following a veteran officer, an old crusty veteran officer, um, highly intelligent. And uh, he he pointed down. We were walking through the woods. He said, "Do you know what that that hole is? There's a bunch of them. I knew what they were." And uh, I just kind of scared to say anything. I was real quiet and didn't say anything. He leaned over and whispered in my ear. He said, "Son, that's a that's what a hole a black panther. They'll dig, they'll stick their mouth down it and scream. That way." The predators around them uh, don't don't know. They can't help it. They have to <laughs> and I sat back for a second. I said, I don't know who I just hired on with. And I don't know what I'm doing. I said, I don't know if he's crazy or if I'm crazy one. But uh, I'll never forget that. He's, hmm. he's since passed. And, but he was a great mentor to me. And That's I cool. just always think about that when somebody comes up to me. Wants, I want to show you a picture of this black panther I have. That's the first thought that always comes to my mind. Now, I have yeah. to say mine was not black, by the way. Yeah. And I think it was a jaguar. Marshall, were you here when Jagarundi? Jagarundi. At some point many years ago, there was a real line that got loose around. Out in the hills or something. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, were you here then? I Do was you here. Yeah. <laughs> what, what in the world was that all about? The best I can recall, um, uh, a person claims to have seen a lion on a gas line, I believe. And then the next day, it was two lions, I believe. It was uh, nothing was ever confirmed. And um, so I'm not going to say they're wrong, but we couldn't find any evidence. And um, they've since, if they were here, moved on to greener pastures. <laughs> <laughs> like a real lion? Yeah, like oh, a man. Like, like a like African lion. Like lion king lion? Yeah. 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 Oh, it's all over town. It's I mean, in the it newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's talking about it. Oh, uh, that's good that's stuff. Good. Mm. All right, we're having fun here. Dudley, why don't you – let's do your ass, Dudley. Okay, well, we can do that. Um, so this is a question I get a lot. Um, my buddy Fancher has been asking about it. Bobby's even been asking about it. Other, other uh, customers and such. It was him. So uh, it's when is the best time to plant wildflower seed? Uh, either you've ordered or collected. Um, so. Just think about this. Uh, wildflowers grow in the spring and summer and native grasses, and then they make a seed head in the, in the summer or in the fall, and then mm -hmm. they, you know, fall on the ground. So from that standpoint, the natural thing to do would be to plant them in the fall, just, just like they do naturally. And that works really well, whether you've, you know, collected them or ordered them, however, uh, a lot of people will plant them even in, uh, as far as into the spring. Um, and so the theory with that is if, if you plant them earlier in the fall, you're increasing the chance that that seed may be predated or it may rot. So mm -hmm. whether that be like an earthworm eating it or a bird or it just sitting there too long and, and getting too wet, uh, that can happen. But if you plant in the spring, you're, you're running the risk of it not uh, stratifying long enough, which some of these seeds may have a harder seed coat that needs to be scarified. Uh, some of them may need stratification, which mm -hmm. is the simulation of, of winter. So you've got to have cool and moist conditions. Uh, so, you know, the happy medium would be to plant them like in, you know, December or January. Uh, but in reality... Uh, for the most part, probably I, I would say, you know, mid-October, uh, and this is across the country, mm -hmm. you know, you can plant them basically from the fall all the way into the spring, and it will work. 
Uh, you can you can mix it up. You can do some in the fall, some in the some in the spring, or whatever. But uh, that's it. You yeah. Know? Just uh, and and as you do it, you know, you may have a. There's different ways to do it. Whether you want to disc it up and create a disturbance to make some natural stuff sprout, also. Uh, there's so many different ways to do it. We all have different soil types, different conditions. But just remind yourself, this is a, a natural plant that makes a seed head in the summer and fall. And then it falls to the ground and then sprouts later mm -hmm. on. So don't overthink it. Plant fall all the way into the spring. I'm a big fan of fall planting. You know, we always are. So, um, and, and I'm going to throw something in there. This, this is a shameless plug. Okay. That... I've been through this, you know, trying to establish these things before, and we have developed these plugs, these wildflower plugs and these grass plugs that make it a little bit of a step easier, too. So just so you know, there's other options other than seed. We sell seed, but we also sell, you know, wildflower plugs and grass plugs, too, that make it really easy. They work great. And work you like see them immediately. Yeah, you do see them. It's, it is, because like Dudley was saying, a lot of these seeds, as cool as they are, take 30, 60 days to even germinate. You know, so if you don't have either the prepared, right prepared conditions or it's too much competition in the spring, it can be a little difficult. But nonetheless. Yeah, you, you, can, you can also combine the two. Mm -hmm. I, I know a lot of folks in the pro profession, mm -hmm. when they're installing a, a new prairie or something, they'll, they'll mix the plugs in, in with, the with, seed. Their, with the seed. Yeah, yeah, cool. So, so good. All right, well. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know some stuff about yeah. some outside. Thank you, Dudley. Fun stuff. Guys, we've enjoyed it. I, I, Lanny, I know you're fixing to jump in here, yes. so go ahead. Well, I, I guess, you know, Marshall, we were talking this before you got started. All we've talked about today is safety and, oh, my gosh, be careful and boat and tree stand and guns and honor and everything else. Bottom line is, Marshall, you said this best, hunting and fishing is one of the safest sports you can do. So, you know, just get out there, be sure, and, and, and work with your game agencies. Go to the hunter education classes. But uh, I think, and I don't know if we can, but it's, it's, I mean, it's safer than a lot of the other stuff that your kids and other people, act, you know, participate in all the time. So I was scared we were kind of getting out there with a bunch of, oh, my gosh, you know. Uh, you know Excellent point. Yeah, but it, it is. I've, I've been fortunate. I've been doing it my whole life. You know, I've had a few incidences. I think everybody does. But. Uh, overall, it's a wonderful way to spend your time uh, with friends and family. So. It sure is. Absolutely. Right. It's, it is safe. Yeah. yeah. I think last year we had 11 hunting incidents. Y'all correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was 11 hunting yeah. incidents statewide. And you think about how many people That is hunt. huge. Yeah, how many and, people, uh, especially in Mississippi. You think about other sports and how many injuries you mm -hmm. see. Yeah. Um, it, it's very safe. And we want to we encourage everybody nationwide to keep hunting. And if uh, take hunter's ed. Think safely. Buy that hunting license. Buy that hunting license. Yeah. yeah. And if you need uh, any information on in Mississippi on our hunting ed classes, uh, you can go to mdwfp.com and uh, under education, and you can see all our boating and hunting ed classes listed. Do any of the three of you guys, Marshall, Ricky, Jake, have y'all got anything else we need to cover? Don't want to walk out of here and go, boy, I wish I'd have told him that story, or or I wish I'd have mentioned this so Ricky Flint didn't get on me about th th this or that. But is it, we, yeah, I think we've covered, uh, covered most everything. Like Jake said, you know, just uh, – and, and Lanny, you know, it's a safe sport. Uh, keep that in mind. Uh, it's important to be safe, but it's, it's also important to enjoy it with your friends and family. That's who you take hunting. That's who you go outdoors with. Mm -hmm. You know, take a child with you and introduce them to the outdoors. Uh, you know, we're blessed here to have an abundance of great natural resources, and um, it's just a, a great opportunity to 
like Lanny said, go out and enjoy it. That's the purpose of it, you know, with conservation in mind. Hunters are some of the biggest conservationist groups that we have. And they you know? are. Um, there's millions of people in the United States right now hitting the woods. It's hunting season. It's a it's a highly anticipated, highly important uh, time of year, and it's important to bring all this together. You know, from youth hunting to hunting safety, but also enjoy it. You know, so um, that's kind of what I would like to add. I think. No, well said. And well mentor said, yeah. mentor the next generation. Yeah, yeah. Um, because without the next generation, the sport could die off, and conservation could take a major hit. So that's, that's right. what I, one thing I'd like to encourage is to yeah. mentor, and while you're mentoring, show them how to be safe. Yeah, yeah. good points. Good, good points. Stuff. All right. Well, you know what? We got the, the guys. The television show is uh, Tuesday nights. Uh, we, we we would like to make sure that uh, everybody's tuning in on that. I, you know, at one point I want to do a ride along television show. Put Richie in one with the one of the game wardens in one night and let him let him do a ride along. I love watch. What is it? Northwoods. Law or yeah. something like that, man. My kids too. Oh, well, Richie, put that on the list of things we want to do. Mac, you're leaving to go on a on Richie, a, tro- I mean, on a trophy a Midwest hunt. Mac, I hope you kill one so big you don't have to lie about him. I told you, you know, I said shoot the first one. You said I changed my mind. I know we might have to shoot over, the second one. Find another spot for Hercules. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait a minute now. Let's we do need to do John Hercules. That would be awesome. No, but, uh, I, but I, I was just thinking uh, about the safety side of things, just to kind of wrap it up. I had a whole lot more concussions playing football than I've had. In, that is a great <laughs> point. Between you and Riley Payne, y'all yeah. are living examples of how safe hunting is. Absolutely. <laughs> That's good. All right, well, look, before we close, I, we, look, it's kind of a little sad note. We lost a listener. We lost a viewer to our television show, but a, a, a gentleman named Raymond Arbuckle, passed away this past week uh he, he and his son rusty uh and his grandson we yeah. mentioned them the other day killed a oh, yeah. deer and some bala. but anyway uh, uh mr arbuckle passed away and i just wanted to share our our uh, thoughts with the family yeah the prayers for the arbuckle so, family no, 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 no. i'm sorry to hear that tough deal so well, i have really enjoyed this week. good stuff yeah. all right guys well anything mac you got anything richie uh, that i was very serious about that idea on the ride along so uh uh, see if we can't make that. We'll see if we can't make. We'll get Ricky Flynn. I bet he could work something out. And let us do a ride along. Yeah, we can ask. So, all right, Lanny, you got anything? No, man. I'm just proud to be here. Say goodbye, Dudley. Goodbye, Dudley. Get us out of here, Mac Mac. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast, and be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine, and don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.